Thanks for tuning in to the Athletic Scholarship Corporation Radio Network. Heard worldwide on www.athleticscholarshipcorp.com. Your source for college recruiting help, training advice, motivation, and more from pro athletes, coaches, celebrities, and entrepreneurs worldwide. Athletic Scholarship Corporation and ASE Sports Radio Network. Today I have a special guest, Coach Brian Swift. He's a head coach, former high school coach, current college men's basketball coach. Before we get your introduction, Coach, I want to get the legals out of the way. Um, coach Swift is in no fashion endorsing ASC or recruiting service. Solely this uh, segment is for educational purposes to help student athletes, high school coaches, and parents understand the recruiting process to be successful. Now that we got that out of the way, Coach, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Um, can you give a little background about yourself, just, you know, former high school coach? I know you did football, basketball, youth, and, and now at the college level. Just a little background of where you've been and what you're doing now. Yeah, I've been uh, – I was a, started off as a, as a you know, junior coach with my kids, um, followed them all through their sports and, and uh, coached all their, all their teams all the way through everything they did since they were since they were small since five years old I guess and then I went on to, to coach at uh, Kirkwood High School as a football coach uh, I was quarterback coach there for four years and I moved on to Northwest High School um, to coach my kids and I wasn't their position coach necessarily I was a running back coach at the time and um, and took them all the way through high school before I left and and you know just maintained college because I was trying to do everything at the same time um, so I worked for a hand surgeon here and I was I was working at all day and then going to football and then going to basketball at night. So I was getting home about 10:30 at night, house at 6:30 in the morning. So it got to be a pretty pretty rough schedule. So, but uh, you know, so the you know, background as far as coaching, I coached everything. Um, you played baseball in college, and, and uh, I always thought I would coach football or baseball more than basketball, but basketball just seemed to become the niche. Awesome. And now, obviously, if you want to spotlight the university you're at now, I know it's a uh... I don't want to say a niche market, but obviously it's a specialized education. If you want to spotlight that university and the strength it has now in your, in your basketball program, I'd appreciate it. It is. It's uh, it's very unique. There's only two schools like ours in the entire country. Uh, we have one major, and that's pharmacy right now. Um, we're at St. Louis College of Pharmacy. And um, the other, other only other school like ours is Albany College, and we have a rivalry game every other year you know, against those guys. And, uh you know, we, we we are playing Division One basketball. We really don't have a lot of scholarship money. The school gives me a certain amount of money to give to the kids, but it's not anything to cover any of their – pretty much covers books more than anything else. But, uh, you know, I graduate 98% of my kids, uh, which is, you know, pretty high as far as national, you know, graduation rate. Uh, and most of them become pharmacists making, you know, $125,000, $130,000 a year as a 25-year-old kid. Um, you know, we, we, we're, we play a, a very competitive schedule. Uh, I've got 26 conference games a year, uh, which is brutal for us. Um, recruiting is extremely tough because you really have to find a kid that wants to be a pharmacist and not just a basketball player. Um, so you have to find a kid that wants to be a doctor of pharmacy and then turn him into a basketball player along the road. Uh, you know, I've had kids that came to me that haven't played basketball since they were in seventh, eighth, ninth grade. So it's 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 a brand new project as far as getting them trying to get them to the college level, and playing at a at a high rate, you know. Uh, 
So it's it's a new thing for us. We're building a ninety million dollar gym, which is going to be state of the art, uh, new field house, new, uh, new new facility, you know, weight rooms, all work. So it should it should help them with recruiting you know, as as we go here. So getting better. Now being a specialized, do you, is it challenging to you um, separating you know the basketball aspect and trying to recruit the best players? Is it a challenge just offering that major, or is it actually a luxury for you? It's it's very tough. You can't recruit basketball players. Um, you really have to find, like I said, you have to really recruit uh, kids that are interested in pharmacy. Uh, it's the only thing you've got. And, you know, and there's there's times where, you know, kids can't be at practice. You know, they can't make practice. They can't, you know, they have a exam the next day. I mean, it's it's a brutal schedule for them. It's it's It bewilders me every day I think about how they can even play on a, on a team and, and devote time to a collegiate program with the academics they have to deal with um you know because they're you know they're scheduled we have labs going from school from anywhere from eight o'clock to ten o'clock at night uh and their lab could be at any time anytime during the day you know or night and you know so you can't determine that the school recognizes basketball now better than they ever have before but you're still there to be a pharmacist you will never come out of there as anything but a pharmacist you know we have never sent anybody to the mba we're not trying to send anybody to the mba they're trying to get kids a great degree and uh, get them out there. because when they graduate from me, they're a full doctor. They are, they are doctor, you know, Dr. Jones. And, uh, and, and, you know, their, their life is just squared away and set and it's set forth for them. So um, it's, it's not a bad deal when you, when it comes down to it, because, you know, if you take the small percentage of college kids that actually get to the NBA, it's a very small amount. And when we send kids out of our school, they are a doctor. So it, you know, it has its it has its difficulties recruiting. Uh, recruiting is is basically very tough. You find you know you have to find the kids that are interested in the pharmacy program first, and then pray to God that they play basketball. <laughs> you know, so yeah, it does get it does have its challenges. Yes. Now, especially at the Division One level. Yeah, and and your NAI school, correct? Right. Which is, I'll get into that in a little bit in this segment, but you know the looking back over the years and it's changed dramatically and I'm obviously in the recruiting industry, but the NAIA historically is kind of looked as the stepchild to the NCAA. And, and the reality is they give out a lot of scholarship money and it's competitive. I have international players in basketball that I've helped facilitate in place that there's some schools that are really, you know, you're in a different unique situation that it's a specialized major um, basketball is not the first priority, obviously, but there's some programs I've seen at the NAI level that they're looking for recruits international. And they're looking for guys that are actually D1 players that are overlooked. So what's, what's it like in comparison, um, maybe looking at the NCAA division one, division two, that gives scholarships. What's, what's the, the challenge on the NAI level still that you see? Uh, the NAI level, I mean, they do have a lot of scholarships, I and mean, most of the teams in our conference are giving, you know, 15 full-ride scholarships. Um, you know, I had a coach that was that was complaining to me, you know, over the season that he only gets $140,000 a year for scholarship money. You know, where I'm dealing with about $22,000. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's, it's night and day for us of, of the scholarships. I don't even know how to – to begin to understand what I would do with $140,000, if I had $140,000, you know, the recruiting would probably, it would probably make a huge difference. But I mean, you still 
have you still have to go after kids that that you know that could handle the the academics of our school and that's the tough part it's not i mean i could get basketball players in there you know trust me i talk to kids all the time and say coach i want to play for you and i said well you know we only have pharmacy that's our only degree and they said well okay sorry i probably don't want to play for you but you know they it's 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 just a different type of of program um you know, I don't, I don't even know – most people don't even understand how it is. I mean, I have a really good friend, Coach James, who was the coach of Tennessee Martin, and we started coaching basketball together at Forest Park Community College. And he was uh, – he said, that, you know, it's the toughest job in the country. You know, you have the toughest job in the entire country trying to deal with these kids and trying to get these kids to play at a level that they've never seen before, that they've – you know, they've the only thing they've ever seen is high school ball, and most of them were not recruited by any other school in the country. Um, besides ours, because of the grades and because of their interest in pharmacy and getting into it. Now, two years last year, I had two kids that came to me, and they were both starters for four years. And the only reason they came to College of Pharmacy was because they knew they could play playing basketball. But they were very smart kids. They were they were kids that that wanted to play ball, but they knew their GPAs were 4.0s, and they were high in math and sciences and their and their ACTs and their you know, and so they knew that they could deal with the with the rigors of the pharmacy world because of their math and science scores. And uh, so, and they played for me four years, and now they're going to both still in school for another two years because they're in the six year program. But uh, you know, and I see them every day. They come to practice and work with us and that type of thing. So it's you know, and and we became great friends. So it's it's um it's a whole different world from any school you've ever seen. It really is. A, it's um it really is hard to explain if, you know, if I hadn't been there for 15 years, I wouldn't um, understand it. Cause the first three years I was screaming and yelling why these kids couldn't get to practice, why they couldn't do this, why they couldn't do that. And, and it took me, you know, a good five, six years to understand that, you know, and accept that they're, that they're there to be doctors and not basketball players. You know? Yeah. And obviously that's their first priority and that's the culture there. And it's not the same at every, um, you know, university, especially at the big time level, they'll, they'll tell kids, uh, you know, especially when the parents are on the visit, it's all about your education and young men. And then it's basketball time and it's a revenue generating activity for those bigger schools. Um, what's the challenge going back and, and you were a high school football coach, correct? Were you also a high school correct. basketball coach? Uh, a little bit. I never, never got into basketball very much. I played through high school, but I never really, um, started coaching until the junior college level what's the challenge looking back as a high school coach you know the expectations of the parents has dramatically changed over the years but looking back did you see a lot of challenges or expectation from the parents that you you know just put it in your lap and help my kids get placed oh yeah there was there was a lot especially in football my kids playing my kids you know my son played baseball and he ended up going to college to play baseball and one played basketball in college and instead of football when he had a chance to play both. But, um, yeah, the parents were, the parents kind of washed their hands with it, you know, and they expected, you know, pretty much everything for you to handle, to take care of them. And, and, you know, we did for the kids, you know, you, you pretty much did for all the kids you knew were going to get, you know, be able to be, be able to play someplace or had a good opportunity to go to college and, and, and play sports. I mean, there was, you know, high school is a little different. You know, you have a lot of kids there that, that aren't going to, that aren't going to make the college basketball teams or college football teams or, you know, regardless of what they are, but, um, you know, but you, you, you help them whatever you can do to get them placed in college. If, if they want to play, 
you know, you help them out as best you can. But, you know, um, for the most part, you know, the kids that were but should have been placed got placed, you know, but the parents' expectations were high. They, you know, I probably got phone calls, you know, three or four days, you know, starting at the end of the season to, to start sending tapes out, start, you know, doing demos and, and sending them out to all the schools and that type of thing. So, and I wasn't even the head coach. I was just a position coach for him. But I had coached the kids, the same kids that were in my high, son's high school team. I had coached them since they were in fifth grade. So I had taken them all the way up to the junior program, and then I started coaching them in high school to stay with my son at practice every day. Um, I just wanted to be at practice with him every day. And even though he was a wide receiver and I was a running back coach, it was, it was still nice to be there every day with him. Now, I know maybe in your environment and where you're coaching right now, it might be a little different than the mainstream, but um, a lot of parents that we deal with and even high school coaches, they, they kind of think about the recruiting process senior year and wait till the kid gets big enough, strong enough, fast enough, all those physical attributes. But what we try to educate with the parents and, and high school coaches is that these coaches are looking early, they're evaluating, and that could be ninth, 10th grade year. It doesn't mean they're going to offer – because it's only a verbal agreement anyway, but in your experiences or in that perfect environment, when do you start the recruiting process or evaluation process of a, of a student athlete? Now, if, if I was at a, at a different school, if I was at a school, that was just that it was a, you know, a, a basketball only type place and they could, they could have, you know, 10 or 12 different majors and major whatever they wanted to, it'd be a whole different story. But us, I really, don't start recruiting until their junior year um, because the kids have not really made up their mind until their junior year. If it's, if a pharmacy degree is something they want to pursue. Um, you know, I've never met, I've never met a ninth or 10th grader that says, you know, I want to be a pharmacist. It, 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 <laughs> you really don't, yeah, yeah. You don't run into it until they get a little bit older in school and then they get the, the buzz in their head that, you know, their math and sciences are really good. They're really good at math and science. And, then they can start picturing, you know, until they get into their chemistry classes and, and all their, 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 their microbiologies, they really don't understand what they want to do in life until that time. And that usually doesn't hit until the junior or senior years. So, I mean, um, to do it any earlier for us would be um, just kind of water under the bridge. It just wouldn't help us very much until we, until we could make them. And I don't turn down offers. <laughs> I mean, when I see a kid that, that I think can play for us, you know, I mean, he's, he's, I talked to him for the next two years and, mm-hmm. you know, keep in touch with him over the summer and things like that. It's, it's, um, it's not the same as, uh, you know, I don't have a full ride scholarship to offer him so I can make him an offer to, to take a full ride scholarship. So we do whatever we can to keep in communication. No, we're interested in, no, we'll take care of him. But his parents know that, you know, we'll give him tutor help whenever he needs it to follow through with him every day. And, and we'll look after him, you know, and we'll graduate him as a, as a pharmacist. You know, so that's the best I can make promise I can make them. So, you know, um, yeah. telling me he's going to be an NBA player is not going to happen. But I will get him a good education and and, uh, and a great career. So, you know, that's, that's a pretty good offer in, in most places. So, Yeah, and that's really what the, the program and the school is about in any fashion, especially when you get into specialized. And, you know, you're not really, like we said earlier, basketball is, you know, probably third on the list or second. Now um, let's talk about the NC or the NAIA now the eligibility center, which is not new. It's, you know, a couple years old now, but what's shocking is the NCAA's had their clearinghouse and now eligibility center for a very long time. And a lot of mm-hmm. parents and student athletes and even high school coaches 
don't even know about it or don't take it as a serious topic till it's too late. What changes have you seen in the NAIA and, and having that eligibility? Because a lot of coaches have no clue that the NAIA at the high school level has instituted this process also. So how's that changed? Yeah, we, you know, the play NIA has become a, uh, which I think is a great thing. I mean, it's, it's, you know, especially with our type of school, it's a great thing because you really don't get player ineligible players that play for us. You know, you don't get, if somebody's, if you don't really get a pharmacist that doesn't qualify to play basketball in school, you know, it's, it's, um, the play NIA thing. I mean, I'll get, I'll get plaques from the kids every now and then, you know, that they have to pay the money for the, to, to sign up for the play in IAA, but it's um, for, to me, it's a great deal. It's, it keeps the kids eligible and it, and it, you know, it, it keeps all schools playing at the same, you know, field level and where they can't have a kid come in for a semester and play for one semester and then be gone, you know, that type of thing. Um, and, you know, and they, they play, play a year and, and, and leave and that type of stuff. It could be, you know, once you, once you're qualified to play in AIA, they keep up with it every year and GPA has to stay up. Everything has to, has to be part, you know, and be ready to go. And I mean, you sign up for it one time, but they follow it throughout the four years that you're in school. So I, I think it's a great, great institution for the NIA to do. Um, I don't think, you know, I think that you had too many things going on beforehand that, you know, I would see kids in one semester and then they would come back next semester with a whole new team, right. you know, and, and it's just, it just wasn't right. It just wasn't right to bring these kids into play one semester. I mean, um, you know, they didn't even have to go to class that one semester. You know, they'd come in and get their 10, 12 wins that semester, and then they would, you know, switch it all up and, and bring a whole new team in to play the second semester. And so, uh, you know, something had to be done, and, and I like the way they did it, and it seems to be – seems to work. I mean, it, the process takes a little while to get the kids through it, especially yeah. if you have a kid that, you know, wants to sign up, wants to come into school, transfers into me, like, second semester. Um, I had one this, this year that transferred into me the second semester, and it took me – I mean, he missed the first four or five games of this of the semester just because it was taking so long for the NIA to process his paperwork, get it back to us, and high school transcripts, and had to be sent and everything. And you're in the middle of the school year, and and you know everything goes a little slower than than normal. They won't go to the high school and get the transcripts. The kid has to go to the high school and get the transcripts and have them sent to the NIA, which is which is a which is a pain, you know, because you know you're dealing with. 18 year old kids, you know, yeah. trying to get this stuff done. And, and so it's not always the NIA's problem. It's, you know, sometimes it's the kids dragging their feet, getting their, their, their end of it, their side of it done too. So, um, and you're dealing with practice, you're dealing with everything else in that time of the year where you're, and you're trying to deal with that too, trying to get it pushed through as fast as you can so you know the kid can help you on the court. But, um, you know, but he has to, you know, like I said, he has to be in the school first and, and get the play NIA stuff taken care of. And, Miranda roll, but you know he he played the last few games for us and and he loved it and he'll be back this coming year so it was, it's all good. Yeah. And one thing that's really uh, uh, that I really like about the um, play NAIA the infrastructure they have the ability for an athlete to put their film together or link up and actually pick what schools they want to communicate with, which I think is great. But the reason why we're in the industry we're in is laziness. I mean, aside from you know, we've been doing this 12 years. The evaluation is in the ballpark. You can't be 100% right. Nobody is. You know, you put a right. player in the room and 10 different coaches look at the player, you got 10 different opinions. That's just a fact. Um, right. But if the kids and the parents actually did some legwork and started early, they're going to have a very high success rate. We always tell the student athletes with NAI to do that stuff at the latest summer of their end of their junior year, going into their senior year, gives them months to prepare 
obviously the earlier you start, it guarantees that you're going to be academically prepared and take, especially the NCAA, take the right classes at the right time because their rules have changed this 2016 class. It's gotten tougher. So uh, I think it's a great thing that the NAI has done that. And it, and, and I agree with you. It has streamlined some things and kept it fair for and equitable for everybody. Um, what do you typically look for? And this may be another tough question dealing with the environment you're in. And, and maybe you want to comment as the coach at a different program, but what do you look for as far as attributes in a, in a prospect or recruit? Aside from the pharmacy major, what do you look for in them as a as an individual or athlete? Um, size. You know, I mean, you can think about how many times you've walked into a pharmacy and seen a six, seven, six, eight, six, nine pharmacist. It just doesn't happen very often. So, I mean, if that's the thing that hurts us most than anything is, is the, is our size. You know, my biggest kid last year was a six, three kid. And, uh, most of the time we were, you know, forced to play a six eleven or six ten center against them, you know, and it just wasn't a great matchup, uh, ball handling skills, shooting, you know, the things we can do from the outside is we're mostly a small, slower team. So we have to be able to shoot well, we have to be able to pass well, and we have to be able to handle the ball well. Um, so, I mean, the, the, the breakdown athletes, we normally don't get the, all-out, you know, athlete to come to the steel top. Uh, most of those athletes are, you know, are eaten up by their schools and, and, you know, everybody's dream is to play, you know, pro basketball, you know, and any kid that, that qualifies for that level, usually we go to a to a different school, and we have a lot of schools right here in St. Louis, you know, in the NCAA Division three level and the NAIA Division one level. Uh, now you probably got seven schools right here in, in within a you know, 20 mile radius of each other. So there's a lot of options for kids here of where they're going to go. And, and, uh, believe it or not, most of my kids are from very, very, very small high schools. Um, they graduate, you know, 45 kids, 50 kids in their graduation class. Uh, the private school kids, which you think we would get, we, I don't think I've ever assigned a private school kid to, to come to play for us. So, um, you know, it's, it's, you look just for the basic skills, you know, you're not going to get the, the all out, you know, all pro, you know, pro basketball player type kid. Um, but you just hope that he can dribble ball handle, you know, a good attitude, uh, respectful kid that really wants to learn. Um, because when they come here, it's, it's a teaching process from the get go, you know? Right. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Um, so you going back, you don't really recruit international players because of your specialized major that kind of blocks that, or do you have any international players at this point? Uh, we don't, I mean, most of us, I think I only have one kid right now that is even outside the Illinois St. Louis area. Um, and he came in from California for us. He came in the from California this year. He's, he's, uh, and he's, he's a nice player, and he had, he, was, he had two choices of school, and it was us in Albany, which were the only two cold schools in the country that just major in pharmacy, and, and he didn't want to go all the way to our, Albany to, to play. So uh, he, he came to St. Louis, and he's a great kid. Um, I love having him. But, you know, we have issues that at holiday. He wanted to go back to California, you know, Christmas break, and, and missed a couple games, you know, because he wasn't back for break. And, but I have to give him credit. He flew back and forth for one game here and there. He would fly back in town, play the game, and then his parents would fly him back to California for the rest of the break. And, you know, he missed all the practices through that stand, but he was there for the games. So, but, uh, and that's the type of stuff you deal with, you know. Um, 
but international, we, we really don't recruit international, but if a kid comes in international, which we have at school and he wants to play, he's, he's, you know, more than welcome to, to come out and, and work out the team and things like that and see if it's a, see if it's for him, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, as far as demographics, do you have kids from all over the country or is it real local? I would, I would think it's localized. It would probably be easier. It, it, yeah, it's mostly Illinois, St. Louis. You know, St. Louis, Illinois area. Small, like I said, most of the kids aren't from, like, St. Louis, St. Louis. I mean, I have a couple from Melville High School, which is just outside St. Louis, which is probably our biggest high school that we've ever dealt with. Most of them are from, uh, like I said, you know, schools that graduate 45, 50 kids in their graduation class, in Christopher, Illinois, or, you know, small towns outside of Illinois and, and Missouri. Um, there's been only a handful of kids that have come out. I got one from Kansas this year, too. Um, so, but it's still pretty localized. I mean, you know, within a five state area around us is usually what we get our kids from, you know, that's perfect. Now what's a, what's a deal breaker for you with, with a prospect? I mean, if you've ever been dealing with a prospect for the, that two year window and, and then they just do something that you're just like, I can't, I can't deal with it. It can't be a part of my program. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of things that, that would that would get me to that point. I've never <laughs> had a kid that would uh, that has done that. I mean, I've never had a kid that that would get me to the point that has got me to the point of that. Um, you know, they had to from the basketball aspect. There's probably nothing. Um, you know, there's nothing that if I had been talking to him for two years and and he was he had a horrible senior year, I would not it would not deter me not to bring him in. You know, I would still bring him in. I mean, I I was you know I would still think that there was an opportunity there to, to, to teach the kid, to, to get the kid playing in your program and get the kid playing at your, at the way you want him to play and things like that. Uh, now from a, from a, you know, per, personal level, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's some things that you could do that would, that would, uh, you know, that would make me not have him in my program. Um, just, just lack of respect. Um, a kid that's you know hard to coach, you know an uncoachable type of kid that that so I found out things like that that, that that's going to drag the program down before it's going to help the program. Um, because when you play with us, you have to deal with you have to deal with kids, you know sometimes that that don't have the skill levels of, the, of your competition. And so you know when you find that, that these kids that 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 really push the other kids, and, and I mean push them by in a, in a helpful way to help them along that have been there in the past and say, okay, this is what you need to do, you know, because the speed of the game is tripled from what they've ever seen in high school. You know, it's just a, it's a whole different ball game. And, um, you know, there was four, three, four teams in our conference ranked in the top 25 in the country, mm-hmm. you know? So, I mean, you know, these guys, these kids had never seen any kind of basketball like this. It was like, it was a different type of game for these guys. And uh, and it was a learning experience, you know. That first year when they were freshmen, you're you're learning the whole time. It's just trying to trying to understand that you've got to play at a faster level, at a, you know you got to visualize the court quicker. You have to see things faster. You have to be able to move the ball, you know, quicker. It's um, read defense is better. It's it's just a it's it's just a whole new ball game for them. So um, yeah, but there's 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 so many things you know that you know just on on merit that I would that would be more of a thing that I would not want the kid to play for me for bad attitude. You know, I had to ask the kid to leave the team this year for, because he was, he just was dragging the team down. He was, you know, he was, he was making mockery at practice and it was just time for him to, 
time for him to go join a fraternity or something. <laughs> you know, so, yeah, you know, yeah, and yeah. then just, you know, and so it, he was, he had that. The, and the expectation's different, I'm sure, you know, with the academic strength and the expectations and the workload, it's a totally different environment. It's probably equivalent to an Ivy level type of culture where, you know, we've had plenty of kids that it's, it's grades first. That's a priority. And obviously it's competitive at Cornell, Stanford, those levels, but the expectation and the personality traits are a little bit different that you see with those higher academic kids. Now, do you use social media pretty heavily in measuring the, you know, the character of a student athlete before you really talk to them? Yeah, I do. I mean, we, the social media, we have, you know, we, we, we communicate with everybody on social media. We still have a, you know, private Facebook page for the basketball program. And, you know, we do set a lot of practice times through that. We do everything through that, through social media, believe it or not. Um, because their kids all throughout the day are in labs and, and our times up until this year switch so quickly um, as far as lab times go and practice times because we can't practice it you know, one set time. We are right now because we're using St. Louis University's facility um, for practice, but we play our games over at Merrimack College until our, our new building's built. Um, so we're kind of setting a block window, and that's what's made these last two years really tough to, for the kids to get to a two-hour slot in the window. Uh, usually I'll practice, you know, any time from 2 o'clock in the afternoon till 9 o'clock at night, you know, whatever time I can get to most kids to practice is that's the time I go at. Um so social media was is huge for that type of thing. Um, to, to base it on character, it's kind of tough to base it on character. I mean, I can see things, you know, on there as far as, you know, if they go to parties and things like that. And, I mean, I understand kids are kids, you know. Um, they're going to do some stupid stuff and, and, and things like that. But, uh, you know, I base everything on, on just personal knowledge and, and, and you know, face-to-face, one-on-one with a kid to yeah. determine – you know, how the kid's going to be and, and whether he's, it fits the program, whether he's a good kid and, and that type of thing. So I don't, I don't base a lot on social media that I see on there because it's, you know, it could be a one-time situation, you know, that got posted on there and, and you happen to see it and, and you can't make your determinations by that one, one situation, you know. And that, and that's unique. And a lot of coaches, they, they take the political path and they kind of go, Oh, we just, we just kind of walk away, white glove it. And the reality is they really, some of them don't because at a higher scale or division one, we're, we're talking about coaches that are paid millions of dollars and they got to win. And it's a different right. culture. When you got to win, you start suspect players. It's just like the NFL. When you look at even the NBA, if, if everybody had a clean slate, you couldn't have a basketball team. And that's a reality at that level, there's, exactly. there's going to be some damage and there's going to be personalities and personas and, and it is what it is. Um, I've got a little segment called behind the arc, uh, basically your toughest shots. You haven't been preempted to questions. I've never, you know, sent you an email and said, Hey, here's what I'm going to ask you, but you can opt out of these. Um, the first one is <laughs> toughest challenge as a player that you faced that either, you know, high school, college, or just going back as a young man, what was the toughest thing, that you remember your challenge that you had overcome? Biggest challenge I had to overcome as a player? Yes, yes. Uh, biggest challenge I had to overcome a player probably was size. Because I was only 5'10", 5'10 and a half. So it was probably my size, getting, you know, shots off over top of people, getting, you know, drive to the lane, you know, being able to finish over top of centers and people break down and, and help defenses and things like that um, was, was, just, was just my size. 
How about as a coach? As a coach, uh, ball handling. Um, it's, I, you know, it, it, it reverts back to the same thing as far as speed and quickness. Um, we don't move as well as, as most schools. And, I mean, to get a true point guard into our school, it doesn't happen a lot. We get good point guards, but to get a kid that is a true point guard, most of the time it's a, he was a two guard in, co- in high school that we're converting to a point guard as we get him into college because he's too small to be a shooting guard or he's, you know, or he's our best ball handler at the time that year. Um, so he becomes our point guard, um, you know, but, uh, you know, in, in, in ball handling is, is our downfall. We, you know, the turnovers and things like that are just, just kill us as far as, you know, teams love to trap us, love to full court, you know, press us. And, and, um, and if we can get the ball, you know, we, we were getting better over the last years. And I think we only, you know, average maybe four turnovers a, a game now in, in breaking the press. Um, so it's not too bad, but, um, but, you know, we're still averaging maybe, you know, 16 turnovers a game, 17 turnovers a game. And, you know, when you're playing behind the eight ball to begin with against these schools, it's, it's tough to win with that many turnovers. You know, when they're shooting higher, they shoot a better shooting percentage. They, they, you know, have a six eleven kid against your six three kid, um, you know, and you're kind of forced to play a zone against them, you know? So, uh, you know, that's it. It's, 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 I'd love to see a better ball handling. I'd love to see, you know, that type of thing. And, and I spend a ton of time ball handling drills and things like that to, to get us better at, at, you know, handling the ball. But, um, you know, you can do it all day in the world, and it's it's just not going to make you a better athlete, period. I, I agree. And then the last thing, and I appreciate your time, uh, as always, what is your, uh, in closing, your best advice to a parent and a student athlete in dealing with this process as far as college selection and in the recruiting process, what's your probably your best one or two tips to the parent and student athlete? Uh, my best tips is go someplace where you, that you're going to enjoy playing. Um, know the coach, know, get to know him, get to know, you know, what his program's about and don't base everything on your life after college playing ball. You cannot, you cannot, live that way you have to have a degree that you want to do for your life even if you're basketball even if you do get to the next level in basketball it's not going to last forever um get something get a degree get something you enjoy doing and pursue that you know but use basketball to enjoy it use basketball to pay for your education use basketball to to get you to work what you want to do for a living you know, um, and just make sure that you that every part of the college experience is 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 what you want. Don't go someplace where you're going to be miserable for four years because it'll be the worst four years of your life. Yeah, and that echoes exactly what we preach. And obviously, two uh, percent or under are playing at the highest level. So the other ninety-eight or even ninety-nine percent have to make decisions based on life choices and not basketball. And some of these kids don't listen to what you say, what we say, and they make a decision, they get to school and they find out it's a bad marriage and they want out right away. Um, And it's tough to do. And um, again, you know, that's a great piece of advice. And and we hear that often coach. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, it's, you know, I see a lot of kids go through it. I mean, not with us as much because they, they, when they come to us, they pretty much know what they want to do. Yeah. They're committed. Um, But I do see, I see kids talk to me, call me, you know, constantly wanting to transfer from other schools. They're not happy. I mean, I bet you it's, 
eight or 10 emails a week, mm. you know, that I get from kids that just want to get out of where they're at, you know, and play someplace, you know, and, and these don't understand what college of pharmacy is. They just think it's another school it's just called the college of pharmacy, <laughs> you know, and that they, they, we have all of our off, we offer other stuff. You know? Now they are going to start health science. So in the first two years now is going to transfer to another school if you don't like pharmacy. So, which is going to be a big help in recruiting. That's going to, that's going to change the whole, you know, the whole landscape of the school completely as far as recruiting goes. So I'm kind of looking forward to see how, what that brings, you know, in the next few years. Um, uh, so it, it should help though. I mean, if you know that you can do your first two years of pharmacy school and then say, okay, this probably isn't for me and take those school credits. Now those first two years to transfer to any other school, it's, it's going to make things a lot better. So. Uh, I've seen a shift with coaches, especially at the D1 level. Um, there's an article a couple weeks ago about a Division One coach that, you know, allegedly is too tough on the kids, and, and she basically said, I'm just tired of coaching because there's a sense of entitlement and kids don't want to listen. And then today, um, yesterday we had a, a, a coach on, a football coach that's coached at Division One level 38 years, and we were talking about entitlement and just kind of leveraged that conversation. And then today you look on ESPN – and you see kids falling off the board with Texas A&M because a coach tweeted something and said, hey, have some loyalty, stick to your word, which means stick to your verbal commitment. You, have, you gave me your word, you're coming to my university, and then when I hold you accountable and you start shopping still, it, it kind of shocks me because there is a stronger sense of entitlement. So I don't, I, I'm not jealous of you guys at all, especially at the high level as far as coaches go because it's a grind now. Um, yeah, but it is, it has deteriorated and, and people's word on the coach's side and the player's side is really diminished. They, you know, they have soft verbal now and then a hard verbal. I think it's comical. Uh, it used to be when I played in the nineties, you called me and I said, I'm playing. I was done. I, I mean, I was right. We shook hands and I was happy and I was glad it was over. And these right. kids, they, yeah. they seem to like, they like the attention, I think. And they don't understand that. You know, when you keep shopping, it's it gives a clear signal that you're probably not the best thing for the program. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, and and and, it, and, it, and the coach that you're going to it there, and it, it shows that your that that loyalty may not be there at the same time. You yeah. know, yeah. You you made a verbal commitment to somebody, now you're going to go shopping around, and and the coach is even is trying to get you. I mean, he might be trying to get you and push to get you, but that doesn't always mean that he's going to take that same attitude in his head. Yeah. that says you're the player, you're going to be loyal to me now because I got you away from that guy. But, you know, because I, you know, it's, it's you're, you have no guarantees that you're going to be able to have a, a player that will stay with you at that, at that type of situation. It's a tough fine line conversation. And I have parents ask all the time that we work with and consult and they say, well, I verbaled and what should I do? And I say, you know, it's a real tough conversation. I can't give you a straight answer because you can't teach a young man or young lady to say their word isn't their word. But the other side and the dirty side of, of the high-level sports is that the coach is still shopping behind your back also. They're trying to better deal yeah. it. So I it, agree. It's, yeah. it, you almost got to say, look, I, I, I'm, I'm committed. I'm still going to entertain opportunities. It's a real hard conversation to have, and I don't think there's a perfect answer. And I don't think the NCAA or anybody can get involved to govern that because it's just a conversation until signing right. day. So, um, yep. Coach, I really appreciate your time. I kept you a little over. Um, you know, as always, good luck. And, and I know you've been there, what's going to be your 13th season? Uh, well, they they say it's my, I've been there for, this is my 15th. Okay. Okay. So well, you're not going anywhere. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, as long as I can take it, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> well, you, so, you should, you should you have know. enough, you should have enough painkillers on campus. 
or at least some farmers. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, uh, the kids, the kids that my past players have become really good friends. You know, we we talk all the time, visit each other out of town, and you know, they live all over the country. And I go to Florida, see one. I go to Chicago, see one. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, hang out for the weekends and things like that. So that we've become really good. You know, they're both loyal friends for the rest of your life. So awesome. you know, it awesome. makes a big difference. Thanks for tuning in to the Athletic Scholarship Corporation Radio Network. Heard worldwide on www.athleticscholarshipcorp.com. Be sure to tune in next week for more college recruiting help, training advice, motivation, and more from pro athletes, coaches, celebrities, and entrepreneurs worldwide.